Hello and welcome to the CMAX podcast. My name is Brenda Lee and I am here with Clarissa McCallum. Hello, Clarissa. Hello, Brenda. And today we have a great interview. We're talking to Mike Maciel. He's the CMAX National Key Account Manager in the U.S. Mike first joined CMAX in 2011 in California as a wholesale salesperson, and he really developed our technician service in the West. And in September 2012, didn't take long, he joined CMAX full-time, taking over all the retail sales in that area. Welcome, Mike. Welcome, ladies. I really appreciate you uh, letting me join you today. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your history in the industry and what you do at CMAX in the U.S.? Well, Brenda, uh, so I actually started in the dairy business when I was very young. Um, I was very fortunate that I grew up on a herd that we did everything ourselves. Rather, we did all the farming, we did all the cow work, we did everything. So I was very fortunate to be able to do that. I started my career at an early age of 21 with uh, a competitor breeding cows every day. And as time went on, um, we felt the need to move to a company that did a little more for the clients and was looking forward to the future versus just to doing the day-to-day stuff. Uh, when we sat down with CMAX, we were very excited. It was in uh, 2011. They were already looking at Immunity Plus, and they had a collar system that you know caught hot cows, but it also looked at sick cows. And that's the part that we were more excited about was the rumination side of it. Um, but to be honest with you, the health with immunity was probably the number one thing that just got us really excited. And then uh, fast forward to 2012, as you said, we got so busy in California that I wound up uh, going full time. And when COVID hit, I got to take over the uh, what we call Region 4 area in Texas and Colorado and some of those places. And ever since then, it's just been Go, 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 but I love it. Um, CMAX allows us to do what we want to do, and CMAX is always looking for future things, you know, like methane and different different aspects of the dairy industry versus just sitting still. Um, as my dad once told me, if you sit still, you'll be passed up, so you got to keep moving. So it, it's been true. exciting. Very true, and, and anybody that knows you knows that you're a guy on the move. Yes, and I love <laughs> yes. it. Always in motion. So you mentioned a little bit of where you are in the U.S., but who are your clients geography-wise and just a little bit about herd size and, and what they're, what's important to them? Yeah, so um, I deal with a lot of different clients. The majority of my clients now are over 1,000 cows, and the majority are actually more towards the three to you know 30,000 cow range, actually. Um, but what's nice is it doesn't matter if you're 200 cows or if you're 30,000 cows. We seem to be dealing a lot with the health issues, um, and the other thing is is profitability. And so, the biggest thing that my clients are talking about right now is longevity of animals. Um, our biggest cost is raising an animal, and uh, it's kind of interesting if you really look at it. The to break even on an animal, it's about two point five lactations uh, to two point eight lactations. If you really look at it most of our animals are only lasting 2 to 2.3 to 2.5 lactations. So that means that we're really only making money is once we sell or we're build, building equity. And that's that's a problem, especially when we get these downturn years and things like that. So that's where the Immunity Plus has come into play and different things like that. We're looking at production per stall now versus just the one animal, you know, saying, hey, this animal's profit profitable. It's Every part of my dairy has to be profitable. So from selling bulls in 
1999, yeah, 1999 when I started to today in 2023, people don't care as much. You know, they do care about the genetics. Don't get me wrong. There's Mm -hmm. a big part of that, right? But it's the, how do I make my genetics either healthier or get a bigger population of my top end genetics? So yeah, it's changed a lot. So in previous conversations, we talked about cost of a stall and different things like that. And so for our listeners that maybe aren't as familiar as what you're what you're talking about there, can you give us an example of what you're seeing right now in your area of the cost of a stall? Yeah. So what we're looking at when we look at a cost of a stall is if we've got, let's say, 40 machines milking, how much profit can we get through that stall every single minute? Um, the way to look at it is if a cow hops on that stall and she's only given us, you know, 60 pounds of milk versus giving us 100 pounds of milk, but she's still taking the seven to 10 minutes in that stall, we have to look at profitability. And so one is, can we milk cows out faster? Uh, two, can we get a higher profitability per stall? And people always think it's always milk flow, but we're also looking at pounds of fat, and pounds of protein. And then the other thing that we have to look at is, is health. Um, so if you look at even, you know, like I, I keep talking about immunity, but the big thing is, is, you know, like I have a dairy in California that, uh, if we look at mastitis, if they're running over 104, uh, immunity, we basically only run in right at 6% mastitis. If we're running 96 immunity number, we're running 30, 37% mastitis, you know? So if you think about it, we're having to run a stall for that cow a couple times a year that the milk is going to the calves versus going into the milk tank. And so that's another big part of it too, is, is how many animals wind up in my hospital barn versus milking through my milk tank and going to the producers, you know, and that's where the profitability comes through. So there's two things that we're looking at. One is the health side of it, making sure that every drop of milk that goes through the machine goes into my milk tank. And also that it's going through as fast as possible and as much milk flow as possible. And just to back up, we're talking um, when you said the immunity numbers that you're referring to the actual immunity index that's given to each bull. Yeah. So that immunity index, it's amazing. When you look at the the numbers of 104 versus a 96 bull, there's a huge difference. I mean, we're our death losses are are sitting here running anywhere from five to 20 percent less. Our uh, mastitis, we're running single digits with the 104s and above 105s where if you're running a low immunity animal, which is a 96, you know, we're running anywhere as high as 25 to 38% um, of the cows with mastitis. And so for me, it was super exciting. Once we seen these numbers come through, you know, we had been looking at genetics. We've been looking at, you know, hey, this cow gives us 10 pounds of milk, different things like that. But we hadn't really focused a lot on, it was more of a cow had a mastitis one time or four, four times, right? Where now we can actually predict and say, hey, we got this heifer. The chances of her getting mastitis once she calves is only about 6% because that's what your herd's averaging right now because she's a 105 immunity. Where if we have the 96, we know that, hey, you know what? One out of every four animals is going to wind up or one out of every three animals is going to wind up in the hospital pen. And that's a big cost to us. You know, we've we've only got 40 machines on a facility or we got 100 machines. Whatever that amount of number of machines are, that's all we can produce. That's all we can run through the barn at any given time. And so that's a huge cost to us when we're trying to maximize um, profitability per stall. 
So these are clients that have been using Immunity Plus for a while. Yes, how long? How long have they been on board? So what's interesting is some of these guys have been on board since the beginning of 2012. Um, the ones that were on in 2012, I'm just going to be straight up honest with everybody. You, what, what doesn't get focused doesn't get results. Um, and I'll, I was the first one to be guilty of, you know, we got immunity. Yeah, I'll use high immunity animals, but you, you quit paying attention to what's going on. Uh, CMEX decided, uh, let's go ahead and put a number to it. So we started paying attention to what's really going on with some of these herds again. And it's amazing what we've been able to, to see where before we would look at it and it'd be like 7%, 10%, you know, uh, less mastitis as an example. Because we have so many generations of Immunity Plus now and we kind of quit watching, all of a sudden it's 25%, 30%, 40%. So when you're starting to put the immunity on top of immunity, it's really made a huge difference. Um, so these guys that really believed in it in 2012 and they kind of just, ah, you know what, if, if the bull has immunity, I'll take it. If it doesn't, you know what, I'm still looking at, let's say it's 100 pounds of protein or whatever that number is. They, it was like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and take this bull, even though he's not high immunity, just because he meets my criterias. Now they're actually switching their indexes because of the loss of milk, and they're actually adding that into um, their criteria on how they pick bulls. So because we, we've started focusing on it, the results again, now we've been able to see, hey, look, wait a second, we've been missing how much of a difference that this health index is actually making for our clients, making for our profitability per stall. And I know that people are you know, probably listening and saying, why is this guy talking about profitability per stall? The difference is, is our milk barn is one of our most expensive um, assets. It's also one that we will only change every so often. And it's very, very, very little. Um, some guys are, you know, 40 years, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, if we're trying to get more profitability as time goes on and we're trying to milk more cows, um, or like here in California that we've now got, we're heading towards eight hour shifts. So if we can't milk cows in eight hours, that means we got to milk a third shift. So now we have to start milking cows 24 hours a day, just about besides our two wash-ups. That's where the profitability comes in. You know, our labor costs aren't going down. Our All of our costs are just, keep, they just keep going up, but we only have so many spots for cows and that's a mm -hmm. big problem for us. And that's where the health is just unbelievable right now. So, I mean, nobody's saying that this is a magic bullet or anything, but if you're a new client, where do you even start? You know, if I'm a new client, I'm going to probably start at least above the average of 100. Um, me personally, if it was my herd, I mean, just because I'm seeing the results, I'm going to try to be closer to that 105. Um, if you start looking at your herd, you know, everybody's got animals that produce a lot of milk. Everybody's got animals that don't produce a lot of milk. And then you've also got animals that get sick and animals that don't get sick. So why not take this that doesn't cost you any extra? You can just pick out a couple bulls and say, hey, you know what? They meet my criterias, but yet they're closer to the 105. And then, you know, figure it out for yourself. And, and most of the programs, we can actually dive into it and figure out, hey, what is the immunity once you do the genomic sampling on the heifers as well? Um, but that's where I would start is, is at least start off with the bulls. Um, second step would be really to genomic test your heifers. Once you genomic test those heifers, now we know what turned on in those animals as well. Um, I always use the theory of if you think about it, 
you know, I've got three kids myself. And just in my two boys, I've got one that's closer to six foot tall and I've got one that's sitting at five, five, eight. I've got one that, you know, he can work his butt off and I got one that he's really good on a computer. Um, same parents, same everything, but they're definitely not the same. <laughs> and you got one who thinks he's a lawyer and heading that way, but he's, he argues and the other one that'll just walk away and you know what, forget you. I don't care. My point is, is you've got the same parents, same everything. It's just unfortunately the knucklehead, you know, maybe his mom's being turned on there. <laughs> and the kid that's smart, that's my jeans, of course. I think we'll no, check I'm with her. Kidding. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> she might have her. a different answer for me. Yes, yes, ma'am. But to be honest with you, the, the truth is, is we don't know what's going to turn on. And that's where the genomics really comes into play. Now I can figure out, hey, you know what? She's a 105 immunity. She's only at 102 immunity and, and start to make better decisions as well. Um, yesterday, you know, I, I was in a meeting with somebody else and it was interesting because I watched these two kids from Germany that uh, they kept looking up at the board and the guy talked about eighth lactation cow and how profitable that is. And he couldn't figure that out for a while. And finally, he thought about it and he goes, you know what, if it cost me 2.5 lactations, and that cow's getting to eight, like, you know, she's getting eight lactations. She's still giving me more milk than half of my herd is. That's a huge profitability to me. And, and it's funny because we don't think about that. All we think about is, is I've got 30 heifers coming in. Let me go ahead and put them in. Well, what if I really only need 25 heifers? Why am I making stalls for five extra heifers that I shouldn't? So I think things are starting to change, you know. But most animals leave is usually for a health reason. It's, mm -hmm. it's a lot of times in the first 60 days. The other thing that's very fascinating with this as well is if you start to look at conception rates as well, uh, it, it's amazing. So I'll just give you an example on, on a, one of the herds right now that I'm looking at. Our first service conception on 105 immunity is 62%. Anything that's 96 and below is 48% conception. So if you look at... A healthy animal gets pregnant as well. That's mm -hmm. a huge number, you know. It's just, if I can grab 10 or 12%, um, it, it makes a huge, huge difference. You know, I'm looking at another one here, and it's only 3%. Well, no, I take that back. It's 47 to 40. Yeah, it's 2%. But 47% versus 45%, that's still 2% two, 2 more. So if mm -hmm. I'm milking 200 cows, that's four more pregnancies that I get. Mm -hmm. And... I really, really believe that the health is probably the one thing that slows us down, even on fertility as well. And so that's that's why I'm really focused on this immunity plus at this point. And those animals, Mike, they were genotested virgin heifers. Yes, ma'am. So um, I'm a firm believer in, in genomic testing everything as a heifer. Um, you've got to make good, good decisions, right? Um, Right now, a lot of people just say, well, all my heifers should be my best animal, so let's go ahead and, you know, put a unisex semen into them or, or conventional, but most people are using sex now. Uh, the problem is, is some of those heifers, we really probably don't want them in our herd. We need to milk them, but we don't want an animal coming back out of them. And without a genomic test, it's like I told you guys about my kids, right? As much as I hate to pick on my kids, but if I was to try to make a kid that plays basketball colby's going to be that kid so with colin i would have never taken him to basketball camp and i hate to use those kind of type of things but that's the honest truth 
where I don't have genomics on those kids. So, of course, I'm going to take both of them to ba a basketball camp and only one's ever going to get to play. And that's how I look at it with, <laughs> with the same thing with animals. And and I hate to do those things, but that's how my op mind operates. Is mm -hmm. I put it into my life of what I see in the world, right? And I think that's the problem is, is we see everything equal and everybody is equal. Don't get me wrong, but there are advantages, right? When you're playing sure. basketball, there's an advantage to being a foot taller. You know, mm -hmm. it, when you're a gymnast, you're better off to be more like Colin. That's a little bit shorter. And that's what, when you're looking at the dairy industry, we want health. We want a cow that produces milk, but we also want fat and protein or whatever it is, depending on who we're shipping to. Why not find that out on day one? Mm -hmm. Why not be able to make a decision on, you know what? She's in the breeding pen. Mm, I'm going to go ahead and put a unit of semen that I don't care about, or I'm going to put a high end unit semen because I really care about this animal. And then the other thing is, is if I have to make culling decisions, it gives me one more tool as well to where I can make a culling decision before I ever get to the final. Um, and the reason why I say that is, you know, like last year, this year's a little bit different, but last year our feed costs, we were basically 18 to two, $2,000, maybe 2,100 to produce an animal to get it the day one in milk, right? And so that whole heifer period was costing us anywhere from $1,800 to $2,100. If I sold that heifer at day one to the auction, I'm only going to get $1,400 back then. Well, what ends up happening is, is I'm selling beef animals or I'm doing different things, but I'm always losing $700 or I'm losing you know, $800 to get that animal to come in and milk. I would have been better off to, at three months old, just cut my ties and get rid of it. And that's where the genomics really comes into play. And now with having that immunity number, I can start to make predictions on, you know, which everybody talks about DPR. I think there's more in immunity than there is in DPR. If you start to look at, you know, our fertility data that we're getting from everything, we're seeing a difference. And, and the lowest one was 2%. Um, you know, the other one was what, 12% or something. Um, I've got another one here that we're looking at. Uh, first service conceptions, 52% versus 42%. That's a low immune animal. There's 10 points there. Mm -hmm. And why not make those decisions in advance? Because once she becomes a milk cow, she's either going to disappear because she gets mastitis or she gets sick in the first 60 days. After that, it's because I can't get her pregnant. So the three things that we're talking about all deals with immunity. I can find that out on day one if I pull a heifer, you know, a sample, a genomic sample from a heifer. That's what's super exciting about this immunity and genomic testing at a young age. And just with that, I mean, some of the things, other things we've talked about with calves that are more high immune or by immunity plus sires, they're better, better response to vaccine, which just gets them off to a better start. Are you guys, are you seeing that? Yeah, that's unbelievable. So um, what we've noticed too is, so we, we actually did a, st a study with colostrum. So if you take on day one, a low immune response animal, and you take a high immune response animal, six weeks out, you pull the antibodies out of the milk. So six weeks out, that high immune response animal still has higher immunity, uh, higher antibodies in her milk than day one on an average herd of, of the cow, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're giving that cow or that calf antibodies, it's, it's way, way stronger from a high immune response animal. So that's number one is the antibodies that are in that milk that actually makes it into the calf on day one. The second part of that, when we're um, giving vaccines to animals, 
the average animal is a let's call it about 17 percent of the time doesn't respond to a vaccine yeah um, the problem is is we don't know what animal that is if we're given 100 animals vaccine and 17 percent of them don't respond we're not sure who that is on the high immune response animals it's literally two percent two to four percent mm -hmm. so we're going to gain anywhere from 10 to 15 animals uh, when we vaccinate and so the high immune response animals are really responding to vaccinations uh, over 10% more time, you know, I, and yeah, it'd be like more than less than 2%, let's call it, you know, so basically we're gaining 10% mm -hmm. by having a high immune response animal. Then the second part is, is on day one, like you talked about, we end up giving them higher antibodies and the colostrum. Those calves do very well. The other thing that we've noticed too is, um, Sometimes a disease will come through, diarrheas, uh, different things like that. We end up having less diarrhea as well. Um, we've got a little bit less data on the on the calf side of it just because we don't have so many herds that feed their own calves. But we are also noticing a difference in that as well. Um, but what was very interesting is a while back, we just had something ran through one of the dairies and there was a few calves that died. And the ones that survived in the middle were actually high immune response animals. So it, it goes to show you that a high immune response animal can actually survive when something comes through that just kind of takes a few calves out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just built stronger. Yes, ma'am. For sure. So probably something that CMEX has put a lot of effort into is our high immune response lineup, our immunity plus lineup. And, you know, I think now, you know, initially there was it was more limited, but now we're using it as a breeding criteria within our own product development and you know really there's not a genetic excuse to not use one of these bulls like not enough milk or fat or whatever you know they've gone through in their criteria yeah have you, so it, have you seen a change in the field yeah it's changed so much and it's funny brenda that you mentioned that because i've got a twenty thousand cow herd that uh, is between california and, and colorado uh and it's part of their criteria now is, is immunity plus um, before it would have been a little bit tougher, right? Because you, you think about 20,000 cows, that's a lot of sires that we need to use. That's a lot of semen. We're able to pretty much meet their criteria with just the high immune response animals. Um, the milk's getting better. The protein's getting better. Um, if I'm not mistaken as well, CMEX has also said, hey, you know what? You're way too low of immunity. So we're actually not going to use mm -hmm. you as a sire. Um, so that's changed a lot as well. But there's no reason to look at immunity. And, and like I tell people, um, if you look at the immunity, the heritability is 30 percent ish. And then you look at production, it's about 40 percent. Um, so if production is 40 percent and you think about you're always using a thousand to two thousand pound milk pool, that means in the last 10 years, you should have increased at least 20,000 pounds of milk a year. Right. Statistically speaking, but it's not happening. Because right. No. It's our management styles. It's everything that's happening. Well, with immunity, it's kind of the same thing, but the difference is we can only change. There are certain things that we create. Okay, if a cow comes in and gets mastitis because we have a hole in our milk liner, shame on us. But usually we're pretty good about that. So if we can make that cow more durable as well, I do believe that the milk will come. It's not going to come as fast as what the 40% is, but it is going to come, and it's going to come fast. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, there's just no reason why you cannot use high immunity bulls yeah so, and, and with jerseys as well that lineup is growing leaps and bounds yeah yeah jerseys as well which is kind of nice it's starting to grow a lot um 
and yeah, as time goes on, I think, you know, our lineup will grow really strong. I know the Vieiras um, and Brent are really trying to use a lot of immunity plus bulls there as well. And I, I'm excited. I'm really excited for the Jersey breed as well, because I think it's one of those things that we just assume, oh, you know, Jersey cows, they live forever and they get pregnant fast. Um, they're probably one of the hardest calves to raise. And sometimes they could be the hardest cows to get pregnant as well, because bull calves don't, they don't give us any value if they're a Jersey, right? Um, so we're using a lot of sex semen in those. So we, we lose a little bit of fertility there. Um, so as time goes on, I think the immunity is going to be very, very powerful. Um, Cause like I showed you guys, you know, if we're getting anywhere from two to 10% or 15% higher conception, that's going to be a huge difference, you know, for us um, with those calves that are just a pain in the butt to raise as jerseys, you know, we're getting more antibodies. That'll be better as well. We're going to get, you know, stronger vaccination um, uh, results as well. And all that stuff will help us. So I think that the Jersey breeds the one that's probably going to see the biggest difference as this time goes on, you know. Mm -hmm. Last question, Mike. Yes, ma'am. Give me your favorite immunity plus bull right now from what you're seeing, the numbers and what you're seeing in pens. You know, I to, I would lie to you, honestly, Brenda, if I even told you a number or a name, uh, just because of the fact that I only look at numbers and then we don't split it up by bulls. We only split it up by immunity. Good. Wow. So, yeah, sorry. So I, I wish no. I could tell you a, a bull number, but we, we it's all numbers. That's a great answer great answer well mike appreciate you being with us telling us more about immunity plus and what you're seeing in the field real real life results real data from your herds i really appreciate it no thank you ladies i really appreciate it and like i said i think we've got a lot of exciting things coming out with immunity plus um you know immunity is just heading in the right direction uh but now with immunity in the genomics, I think it's a game changer. So thank you, ladies. I mean, I am very passionate about this. I, I think it's exciting for me. It makes my job a lot easier. So thank you, ladies. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. If you like this podcast, give us a four-star review. It really helps others find the show. And